So we're recording this on Wednesday, the 25th, but a couple of days ago, there was some pretty big news that came out of the, uh, the FDA. You remember what that was? The uh, marketing name for the Pfizer vaccine? Well, no, it got, yeah, that, that's where I was going with it, but okay. <laughs> so the I'm, FDA I'm gave, step, step ahead of you. You always are. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> or at least you edit the show that way. So. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, yeah, so Pfizer BioNTechs. Um, oh, I like how you say that. Is that not how you're supposed to say it? No, I, I think it is. Nice. It's like nice. Um, it's like the um, yeah, that's 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 a, that's a stolen Merlin joke. That's what they, um, that's what they should have named it. They could have, sure, we're, 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 you're killing me that we're gonna get to that. <laughs> um, so yeah, so so Pfizer BioNTech, which is the um, uh, it's, it's not like um, the other one that's uh, Moderna. Apparently, they're supposed to be the, like there's like an umlaut on the O where you're supposed to pronounce it a very specific way. But yeah, so on Monday, um, Pfizer's vaccine received full. It's no longer under an emergency youth authorization use authorization for people who aren't youths, people over sixteen years of age. Um, and that's and that's led to a couple of other good news stories, which is that a lot of companies are now using this as a um a reason to do vaccine mandates for employees although some companies are doing some squirrely shit where they're they're not really required they're only like requiring it for hq employees and stuff like that which triple thumbs down to that but you alluded to what i want to talk about which is um with this full approval it now is going to one it can be marketed on television i think is one of the things like because like, that's one it can be marketed thing. in like any capacity yeah they, they weren't allowed to do that under the um eua as you would say mm-hmm. yeah and and that's one of the things i always forget is that it's so weird in the u.s that uh life-saving medicine is marketed like it's doritos and i never never cared for that at all and I like hearing sometimes you'll have like I listen to podcasts of like uh, from like with Canadian hosts and people in, in Europe. And it's, they're always anytime they travel to the U.S. It's it's very consistent. that They'll always remark upon just how fucking bananas uh, American television ads are. And specifically the fact that um, healthcare is marketed like, you know, like um, like Funyuns or something. <laughs> but anyway, so do you remember what the name was? I've never said it out loud and I'm afraid to. So it is pronounced, or or I mean, I, how, how the hell would I know? I, I don't work for um for Pfizer, uh, Comirnaty. Mm-hmm. So I... it is spelled uh, capital C. It's, it's it's not like a DTC brand. It's capital C O M I R N A T Y. And the reason is, and it's uh, quoting from uh, an NPR segment. Uh, quote, according to Pfizer, the pharmaceutical companies wanted to emphasize COVID-19 immunization and the vaccine's core mRNA technology. They also wanted to encompass, quote, community and immunity into the final product. Community touches all the bases. So <laughs> I we, we might cut this out because I'm not sure we're going to be able to do any better. But can we workshop a better name than community? I saw, I, I'm, I mean, it has to be a joke, but I saw someone, um, yeah, I guess joking that the Moderna um, marketing name would end up being um, Spike Facts. Well, no, that's true. Which I, oh, th- that is true? 
Yeah, like I think they've already announced the fact that it it will be when it is announced that Spike Vax is actually, which is a fucking awesome that, name. That's that's great. Yeah, that, I like that a lot. Like there was this one I forget. Like cause I, one my one of my shameful things of of I, like I don't watch a lot of reality TV, but um, like I sometimes watch Shark Tank, and there's something called Spike Ball that's always super lame, but I think is a thing that people. It, it seems like it's parallel to a lot of stuff that people do in the Bay Area, but um, Spike Vax is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Comernity is not so it's not not great. Do can can in in ninety seconds can we workshop a better name? Man, I feel like Spike Vax is kind of well, no, but but taking that's, the crown. That, that's taken. Yeah. Uh, don't get sick trademark. Just squish it all together. Um, come on, you you have to have a list of this. I don't. This I just had. I just I I sent a link into my own private channel. Uh, this is really silly, but I don't know because fight like COVID I, vaccine plus COVID vaccine max. No, uh, vax to the max might be might vax be fine. The, okay, vax to the max. We're okay. We're getting mm-hmm, somewhere there. Mm-hmm. It's, it's got kind of a um. What's that movie people like that um, for for no good reason? Back to the Future. Um, hey, uh, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't understand why people like that movie. <sighs> I've only ever seen it like half of it on basic cable, so it got edited. But I don't. I do not see the appeal of that movie. Similar similarly with um. Ferris Bueller's Day Off, which is a movie I legitimately dislike, but yeah, that movie I'm kind of neutral towards. Yeah, um, there's got to be something better than this, but I'm not sure we're actually going to find I think, it. I think Mac, Max Vax is is pretty good. So you have Spike Vax and Max Vax. <sighs> yeah, I, I like it. Yeah. And we solved it. No, this is this. Uh, I I should have came prepared, but you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna table it with the next. I'm gonna. <laughs> I'm going to ask you to talk about video games for a while, and I'm going to put myself on mute, and I'm going to brainstorm this. For <laughs> and I'll interrupt in the middle of the show when I come up with something better. But I feel like there's got to be, like, I mean, we, we were in the era of amazing, like, it was sure, yesterday we talked about, um, sorry, yesterday, last week we talked about um, the, the was it Genie, Genius Plus, Genie Plus, Max Blast? What, what was the Disneyland thing? Uh, Genie Plus. But there was also another one. Like max speed, there was some other transformational technology that the Bobs were talking about. Uh, well, there's just Genie, which is like well, that's the free one. Yeah, it's basically like open table Gen- for Disney. Yeah, and there's Genie Plus. Did they announce something else? I think it was called Max Speed or something. Oh well, they they've had a thing in um, Florida called like I think it's like Magic Pass or something. Which is like that the RFID bracelet thingamajig. It is called my no, it wasn't my magic plus. There was oh no, so it's just a, it's a paid app called Max uh, Max Pass. But then there was also my yeah uh, yeah my magic plus. Anyway, okay. Um, are you all caught up on Ted Lasso yet? No, but we did watch the Christmas episode. Oh. Well, I I liked it. I I, th- I thought that was cute. I I yeah. I don't remember if I stayed awake for all of it, but it was kind of like it wasn't bad, but just did it, it didn't. It, I thought didn't, it was very endearing. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we don't have to get into it. But the one thing I did want to bring up is that um, yeah, like it, well, the thing is like it was a good 
Nah, no, we'll move past it. Uh, you're aware of Higgins, right? Of course, yeah. Yeah. Does he look familiar to you? No. Like, you mean from something else? Mm-hmm. No, but I'm I'm bad with that kind of stuff. So the actor's name is Jeremy Swift, and he is 61. He does not look 61, so good for mm. him. Um, he looks like he's in his mid-40s, but I'm also, yeah. again, we talked about the fact that I'd make a terrible bouncer because I can't tell people's ages. But he was in that, um, the, uh, the, the, the upstairs downstairs show that you like. The who now? The, the house divided show from Britain. The, he was in, he was in Downton Abbey. Oh, oh, he was. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. His name was, uh, um sprat and i don't know what that uh, what that is or if he's a key character but similarly and i did not watch game of thrones either but apparently hannah waddingham or whoever plays rebecca uh was the lady on game of thrones that walks down the streets oh. yelling shame oh she was wow I've, yeah i've never made that connection before huh yeah, yeah. i kind of like iconic scene in that show yeah, but I, I like I like Higgins a lot, and also the the mo- the biggest reason why I wanted to bring this up is that he looks good for sixty one. Yeah, he does. Mm-hmm. And I liked her um, because before this season, I did a rewatch of season one, and I like the one where he either gets fired and or quits, and he grows a beard and just plays the bass at home. And um, that's a good look. I've kind of been enjoying this season how he gave up his office and kind of just roams around now with a MacBook Pro, of course. <laughs> of course. <laughs> The product placement is weird because a lot of times, oh, there's the um, the compositing or the thing, you know, like when they show a phone screen on screen, but you know that it's like it's done in After Effects or whatever. The the iOS screenshots are oddly for a show that's made by Apple are not as accurate as they should be. Well, the, sh- the real time follow up, the show is mm-hmm. not made by Apple. So it's, it's made for funded by Fund, funded by Apple, but not, forced, not actually for, produced forced product placement. I mean, exactly. I, at that point, I feel like if you're if if they're that dead set on using FaceTime, and oh, this goes back to something that you were talking about offline online, which is that so Roy Kent, um, I forget which episode it was, but somebody was showing them texting him, and Roy Kent had a memoji, and Roy Kent <laughs> seems like somebody who would definitely not have would would never intentionally open the the memoji app. You could kind of see him maybe accidentally opening it, though, no, but opening this... it and then getting kind of drawn in. No, I could see that. No, you'll get to it. And I won't I won't know spoilers, but his his character arc is getting better. But I, but I, I, I like him a lot. Yeah, I do, too. Similarly from last season, but like my favorite part was when he um, got sucked in by being um, given. What was the book? The kid's book, uh, A Wrinkle in Time. Right. Um, and he ended up reading that to his niece yes that, that, that's why i mean like i think if he accidentally opened the emoji app he he at first he would try to dismiss it but then he'd tap around a couple things and then an hour later he's got a super customized emoji i could see it maybe okay and then the last thing is uh are you familiar with the um the oklahoma city thunder uh okc mm-hmm mm-hmm do you do they have a star player right now, or kind of a very promising player that got paid a lot of money recently? They do. S S G A Shea Gildress Alexander. 
So what, what there's a lot of sports players that like there's I, I'm I'm very out of the loop on sports, but there was somebody who was named RG three for a while, and I feel like he's not very popular anymore. Robert Griffin the third. Yeah, he was a quarterback in the NFL, kind of kind of fizzled out. I don't I don't think he's in the league anymore. I mean he was a backup for a while. I don't know if he still is. He's he's either a backup or just out of the league entirely. Mm-hmm. It's very much like Johnny football where there, there's these people who are all like Scott Van Pelt is all about them for a season. And then you never hear about him again on sports center, but SGA, somebody on a, um, on a finance subreddit had a very good joke, um, of just a picture of him and, uh, selling general admin expense account. And I thought that was pretty, That's, pretty good. Yeah. I, I, I appreciate that kind of humor. Yeah. Thank you. All right, well, that's the nonsense, so let's try uh, jump right into follow-up, which apparently is empty. There's no way that's true. I, mean, I don't think we have any follow-up. I didn't, I didn't see any. Uh, I didn't bother didn't to put, put any in. He didn't put any, yeah, you didn't put anything in the thing. Mm. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay, well, then, then you lead. What, what else we got? Um, so this is actually a, a topic that I originally had in the notes last week, and then it, it kind of got expanded upon. Uh, over the past week, so I'm sort of glad we didn't get to it until now. Um, which is the whole this whole safari thing, which I which has been sort of like talked to death, and I, I was kind of tired of it. But then, you know, they Apple really started basically rolling back most of the changes that they've made, and it's sort of opened up this interesting conversation, which has happened on like upgrade um, and elsewhere, where there's sort of like this question now about like what what sort of is the intent of the the summer beta process across all of apple's platforms like are we are we transitioning to a phase where the betas aren't just about bugs but are actually about sort of forming opinions of the features and and taking that sort of feedback or was safari just a giant screw up and this is kind of a a one-off thing Option two. Yeah, I, I I tend to think that way too. I, I don't think Apple's a company that's looking for opinions. Like I feel like they I uh, but going back to like to broaden out like to what you're like if, if you exclude the kind of the second half of your question, like when you when you think about what is the point of the beta period whatsoever, I kinda don't know. Like I, I don't really see what is being gained by the public beta. Because I feel like Apple has, um, didn't they clamp down? Like there was a whole issue within the app store where people would go leave a bunch of bad reviews for apps that were not fully compatible with the forthcoming version of iOS because people who maybe shouldn't be beta testing software anyway were doing it. That sounds, sounds like a thing. Yeah. Like that's like, so I don't really see what the point of the public beta is, but I would say it definitely is not to float like possible design overhauls and then scale it back if people don't like it like i feel like like i that that take i don't i i don't buy it all um yeah i I feel like this is this was just one and this was very like every week this was covered much better on upgrade where well actually it's covered much better on the six colors subscriber podcast where where jason has been talking about um kind of Apple knowing when to scale back features or let them slip from releases, but also maybe when 
stuff shouldn't have shipped that did end up shipping and that it's promising that Apple over time went back on a really bad design idea that was maybe championed and pushed forward through like a lot of layers of red tape by people who maybe had too much invested in it or just weren't just a, a, just big footed all sanity and reason. I don't know. Like it feels like Safari is a very, very big, important app where some people who are design first and aesthetically focused got too much control given to them. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it'd be really interesting to sort of hear the behind-the-scenes story of what happened. I'm not sure we ever will, but it would be interesting to know. Um, that is sort of a, another part of this, too, which I think is is interesting, the idea that everything that Apple talks about at WWDC, if that were to sort of move from, hey, like, here's everything that's going to be available day one or which we intend to be available day one on the next major version of ios turning it into like hey here's sort of like all the big stuff that's going to be coming over the next you know kind of release cycle so that from you know basically like september to june each year and that would be like that'd be totally fine um like i actually think that'd be kind of kind of cool and and potentially sort of beneficial to apple too where you know they get to kind of slowly roll out these features throughout the year and kind of you know keep them sort of in the conversation a bit i think it's it's not not a bad idea if if it kind of evolves that way yeah yeah but i mean okay like it 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 got better i guess um what, what do you feel what are your thoughts about the was was SharePlay a feature that you were very excited about? Do you have any? No, not, not I, mean, I, just, I just can't. I just can't. I can't ever imagine when I would use that. And also, doesn't SharePlay require being like on an active FaceTime call? It it does. I guess maybe I'd, I'd slightly revise my answer. The, the the media stuff I wouldn't ever use. I don't think the one part of it which did look kind of neat was screen sharing. So like, you know, someone like, like my grandma who oh, has, yeah. you know, a quick question of how to do something on her iPhone. Like, I think that would be, that'd be useful. Are those the same? Yeah. Like, so remote assist, like that's one that seems amazing, but that also, that also seems like a huge security risk. Well, I mean, Apple's kind of, they've always done the, there was like the whole, you know, back to your Mac thing and. Well, but know. that, but that was, you, you had to be logged into your own Apple ID and stuff like that. Have you like been able to delegate or like give uh, remote system access to somebody else like that's um it's like all those phishing scams or where somebody will call you from a robo call and say that they're apple or microsoft and they want to get you to go and chrome and visit a go to my pc link and then they install malware on your computer and then go from there but no but that seems like a really great feature but i, I do worry that that could be abused or is maybe somehow risky but yeah, maybe there there could be some constraints around it or something i don't know yeah but is that specifically a feature of SharePlay? I believe so. Yeah. SharePlay mm. is sort of a sort of like suite of different features, I think is the way to think of it. Got it. Okay. So once it, once it launches, we'll, we'll have to find out a, a block of time to listen to upgrade together. <laughs> no, uh, that, that would be the worst of having like somebody inventing podcast listening parties. 
or something. That's just it's a, it's a yeah, bridge too I'm, far. I'm actually doubting myself now. Maybe 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 the screen sharing thing was part of like the new FaceTime features they announced. Well, yeah, one of the, the one, one they, of the two. Because again, they they half heartedly want to take on Zoom, but also they don't actually want to make a client for Windows or um android so they're just doing some kind of probably super super half-baked uh web app for it well and the the, the facetime app on the mac is also pretty half-assed oh, i don't so, know if so, it's so are most mac apps <laughs> or i mean like so like like a lot of them are objectively very bad uh, like have you opened oh, the, the, home I mean, the home app oh the mm-hmm. home app it's, it's so bad um yeah i'm i'm still not on is it big sur which what is the current one Big Sur's the current one, and we're going to Monterey, right? Oh, to see some sea otters. Um, right. Yeah, like I, I, that's the one thing I'm be bummed about is whenever they do release um, M1X or M2 based iMacs or MacBook Pros, is then I'm going to have to eventually get on um, a newer version of OS 10. Right. All right. Um, uh, oh, actually, well, let's, let's, let's keep that third going. So, um, Mark Gurman reported that there is going to be a new Mac mini, which is going to feature a higher run version of the Apple Silicon based arm processor. Um, and that's going to happen in the next several months, which I'm not really that, that I always forget. It, I always think when somebody says several, that it means seven, but it doesn't, it just means more than a few. So I guess that means October, November. Because isn't that when, like, the 14-inch Mac, whatever, the first ARM, like, fully ARM-based, like, redesigned MacBook Pro is based off the, like, the latest Ming-Chi Kuo rumors is uh, going to be a late fall thing, right? Yeah, so all the rumors are pointing to Apple obviously continuing to do the kind of pre-recorded, you know, video drop for, for their fall announcements with one in September probably with new Apple watch, new iPhone, probably like the new AirPods. Um, and then in October, there'll be another event and that'll be a Mac focused event, it, which seems like it'll be the 14 and 16 inch MacBook pro. And then the, um, probably this, this, um, higher end Mac mini as well. Yeah, pretty cool. And because one of the issues with the M1 has been that um, due to whatever I.O. limitations of it, it hasn't had many ports on it. So that is going to be one of the things that's... um, Yeah, but all the the rumors of the new, even the laptops have been that they're going to have a pretty good number of ports. So I would think that bode well for the, the Mac Mini too. Yeah. And I actually didn't read this mask thing with iOS 13. So, yeah, actually, so the reason I dropped this in the notes is that, you know, obviously, I mean, actually, really, even, you know, pre-mask wearing, um, I always was a little bummed that Apple didn't just offer both Face ID and Touch ID both on the phone, because there are just situations where one is better than the other. And having both would sort of, you know, solve that problem. And it's it's sort of just like you can unlock your phone with whatever is most easily accessible in your particular situation. But obviously now with, you know, wearing masks for over a year, that's become, you know, kind of particularly true. And, you know, last year, 
it was sort of one of those things where, you know, you hear about Apple locking in the development cycle of their phones so far in advance. It was, it was like, well, okay, if you, you give them a pass for not having time to think about adding Touch ID in this year's phones. But like, surely that's something they'll think about for 2021. But all the rumors the last month or two have been that it's definitely not coming this year and it may just never be coming. Um, like face ID might just be the the thing that Apple just continues to to use exclusively. And this this sort of new rumor dropped, I guess this was today or yesterday, today, where um Apple's been working on a feature for the next iPhone where um face ID is going to be able to recognize you with or without a mask. Um, and it's also apparently going to be better with um, glasses as well, which which is something that kind of the current iteration of Face ID can sometimes struggle with. So that would be, I mean, assuming that it that it works well, that that would be sort of a um, a resolution because the the whole the whole Apple Watch unlocking feature is mm-hmm. it's okay, but. For a kind of a function as critical as unlocking your phone, okay is not really good enough. So you did something adventurous this week. <laughs> what, what did I do? Oh man, nobody's gonna know what got cut, but it's okay. <laughs> uh, you, you did something. You 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 went in a, a rideshare. Oh, I did. Yeah. Um, I over the last couple of weeks have used uber for the first time for the for the first time since like january 2020 and it's, it's been a long time since i opened the uber app and oh boy um i think i remarked to you offline online that it bizdev really got in there and uh had some thoughts because you're just bombarded with sort of like cross marketing um push notifications and ads within the app for everything from Uber Eats delivering to your destination to ordering ahead at a Starbucks that's going to be nearby where you're dropped off there's there's a lot going on in that app now Did they give you an upsell for the Amex Platinum card that gives you twenty dollars to use on Uber every month for some reason? I didn't. I didn't see that, but it would not at all shock me if I got that at some point. Yeah, I think I have only taken two lifts in the past eighteen months, and yeah, it was it was was yours a, a Windows Down ride, or what was it? What what do you mean? Like th- like physically, like the windows? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we we were keeping the windows down during each of our rides, just as you know, yeah, an added safety thing. Got got a, got a, <laughs> I'm not going to make the obvious joke that you're going to have to cut. So I got to keep the ventilation up. Okay, so um, yeah, that's that's interesting. Um, yeah, yeah the the app is just it's it's very very busy. Like I I'd, at at some point open the Uber app and it's it's just you open it and I didn't know how the heck to just like request a ride like it it just it's got so much stuff in there now and it it used to just be like just dead simple and it's it's not anymore 
Well, but Uber's business is no longer dead simple. Yeah, true. I mean, the app is probably a good sort of microcosm of of the company at large. And it's gotten less simple. The Chronicle reports that uh, a a California judge has ruled that Prop 22 uh, is unconstitutional. Look at you. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm empowered by this, uh, the, the intense editing this episode's going to get. <laughs> <clears throat> All right. So uh, Proposition 22, of which I think um, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I believe the um, gig economy companies spent over $200 million to get their way on um, last November has been ruled unconstitutional. And the, the reason, I believe, was because the... Uh, the 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 word of the proposed law was or uh, the proposition would curtail the ability for the California legislature to um, define what a workplace is or something. Does that does that sound right? That sounds at least on the right track. Yeah. Yeah. Um. This is this is great because because prop two. I mean prop twenty two. Like whether whether or not you. Wait, how did you vote? <laughs> how, what, what, what did you end up doing with Prop 22 last year? I, I'm pretty sure I voted against it. Yeah. Like, when, when you know a company is spending that much money specifically just to rule that people aren't employees and, and fought so hard against it, like, the only reason we got here was because the companies were so unwilling to negotiate in good faith or actually make accommodations to their employees and you you note this because um uh anti-friend of the show dara kashwashwahi wrote like a an op-ed like in the in the in the times or the wall street journal saying oh here's all the stuff that we're going to do for gig workers in advance of this uh, we're gonna let them set their own way uh their own prices and and see destinations before they accept a ride and then after prop 22 passed they of course uh sunsetted all those features inside the app for those um for those drivers i don't know whenever somebody is is just so angling so hard uh against this you kind of know that there's something there because neither neither side was was good in this regard and california has a kind of a weird relationship with direct democracy where you always get kind of these like perversions of the, the law because um this is just the way that we decide yeah. these things but speaking speaking of the this chronicle link which we'll put in the notes mm-hmm. had i guess it has this thing that's like next up which is like the next article they want you to read and it was an article about the upcoming recall election mm. and it's made me aware that 538 has a polling average chart that they've pulled together and it's it's concerning let's say well, you don't want Governor Elder? Not particularly, no. Mm. Well, I mean, the way recalls work is this means specifically that 47% want a Republican in charge, right? <laughs> of voters, I suppose, yeah. Mm-hmm. And the reason that's a joke is because it's exactly not what it is. Because people don't understand yeah. that not liking Gavin Newsom doesn't mean that he just goes away. It means somebody who you will probably disagree with 85% of their policy positions will likely be in charge. But right. that's kind of a bit beyond a lot of people to bother to give a shit about. 
yeah so prop 22 is what it is um but uh may not be for much longer um so, yeah, so that, that was one fun bit of news um i like that it throws a wrench in kind of all these um gig a gig economy work uh you're not a big food delivery guy are you no not not really no yeah i feel like the, the things have shifted this year in the past two years from the prop 22 debate being specifically an uber and lyft thing to also being like a, a double-edged sword of doordash and grubhub drivers but also on the other side of the um what's it called a two-sided marketplace well what, what's the tech term Anyway, mm. the, the thing where you have you're you're both taking a cut from drivers' wages and tips on that side, and then you also you're you're a marketplace where you're connecting those people with the restaurants, of which DoorDash um, takes whatever twenty five to thirty five percent of the total food ticket as well. So that yeah, that's was, been kind of the new battleground for all this gig work stuff. Yeah, there there was a I don't know if it was a tweet or an article or something I had seen last year that sort of very clearly laid out how much more beneficial it is for you to just call a restaurant directly and pick up as opposed to ordering through one of these apps and then maybe even having it like delivered through one of these apps. And that's, that's kind of guilted me into calling restaurants directly and picking up whenever I can. Yeah. I kind of wish there was a, um, cause Yelp is also a little bit scummy, but, um, a good neutral third party or like a, like a service that was, um, uh, use a bad example, but they only charge like, um, like square. That's one of the things like uh, that I love about there's certain comp, uh, uh, restaurants where you, you, they're like an extension of the square terminal that they use in house then, uh, that you can use to order for pickup. And if they somehow just manage to take like 5% to cover a tiny bit plus credit card processing fees, um, just because I don't want, I, I don't love calling restaurants just because there's, there's the risk of getting your order wrong. And also you, you don't want to bother another person, but all the other alternatives are just, um, extortion for the restaurant. So there should be like a good marketplace, um, or easy way to like, like, yeah, like if, if square somehow like pivoted or, or managed to make something that was kind of like open table, but not for reservations, but actual food orders. And you just pick it up yourself. Feels like that'd be a good solid thing. Yeah. All right. What else we got? Um, we got some we got some Tesla stuff, which I know you always love. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the the one that really kind of stood out to me this week was um, Tesla. I don't. I don't. I think maybe this was during their. AI event day, or I don't exactly remember when this was, but they started talking about um, a next generation full self-driving computer, which I guess is going to be included starting with the the Cybertruck next year. And it's just, it's making this whole full self-driving hardware thing an, an even bigger mess than it already was. Like listeners will recall us talking about how, you know, starting in 2016, Tesla said that all car shipping had all the hardware necessary for full self-driving. But then a couple of years ago, they upgraded the full self-driving computer after they had realized the previous version was not going to get them there. 
And so, you know, cars like my Model 3 don't have that upgraded computer. Um, but, you know, if, for people who did buy the full self-driving package, they were doing free upgrades. But now what Tesla's saying is there's going to be this next generation computer, full self-driving computer, that's going to do a lot of things better, but that the current version also will be fine for full self-driving. So it's it's this situation where if you buy, say, a Model Y today, does that mean that it's going to have sort of inferior <laughs> full self-driving compared to a Cybertruck, which has this newer hardware? Like it's it's just, I mean, maybe none of this matters because maybe full self driving just never really becomes a thing in general. But it's it's a mess. Yeah, that whole thing seems a little sketchy, and especially well, also when you think about the fact that none of this will. Well, I mean, this is everything we you just talked about is based off the premise of full self driving being attainable and also not being a completely nebulous and also um, possibly fraudulent feature. So um, that again, based on what we talked about last week uh, is hopefully um, regulated or investigated to death. But yeah, that's, that's tricky. And sorry, is, is Cybertruck actually shipping or going to be a thing? Like, yeah, when when is that out. allegedly hit? Well, sure. But I, I also put a link in the, the, in the ideas folder that there were also supposed to be a million plus Tesla robo taxis on the road by the end of 2020. So when is Cybertruck allegedly hitting the road? It was supposed to be the end of this year and was recently pushed to next year. So mm. we'll see. Yeah. Um. Oh, wait. Oh, so did Tesla have their like autonomy day or whatever recently? Mm-hmm. Is that what this is all about? Right. Oh. Yeah, I... Yeah, good, good. I, I appreciate so much of what Tesla has done to move the ball forward on EVs, but, but every every time it looks, so much of what they're doing is is just bullshit. I don't know. I know. Yeah. Um, and then uh, the New York Times had a good uh, piece uh, a couple of days ago about just kind of what is Tesla. Like, I don't, I don't think I have a lot to say here, but if you can throw a link in the show notes about what is full self-driving what is the promise of what they're actually selling what are the um limitations of it and it was it was was a good fairly even-handed summary about what we talk about frequently which is that they're selling a bill of goods that they're not able to deliver on and will they ever be able to deliver it and kind of how the pricing breaks down on this ten thousand dollar bolt on that um is increasingly very, very sketchy. Yeah, that was that really great Reddit thread that we talked about. Oh yeah, the the what 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 happened? What's what's their um liability if they don't actually ever produce this feature? Yeah, yeah. 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 Um do, do, do. oh and actually have you you haven't been to San Francisco much recently, have you? I uh, was there for the first time in, in, in a while this last weekend, but but no, in, in general, not not much recently. Have you seen any of the um the Waymo iPaces? Uh yeah, I think I think I've seen these, although I I, I am, am I getting them confused with cruise? I think I well, maybe so, I am. So well there there were two of them. So Waymo used to be well, so Waymo first it, it um 
it was the clown car because it was the the Google Moonshot project, and it just had that little like um, you know, it basically looked like a clown car. Did they use like a minivan at some? Yeah, point so that's too? the thing. So they used to use okay. Dodge or Chrysler like town and country minivans. And then when they came, so they came to San Francisco early last year. And then I was in San Francisco a couple of weeks ago. I was like, who, oh, like which, because you always see there's either the, um, the Bolt EVs, which are the cruise vehicles that are front, that are a joint project with GM. And you know, they're cruise vehicles because they all have the name of the car on them. And all the names are food items, which is nice. Um, but then I was like, whoa, wait, which, who is, who is this one then? And, uh, Waymo now uses the Jaguar I-Pace, um, electric SUV, which it's got, it's got a cool design when, when by myself, but it's, it's, it's neat. Um, and they have like, a, a like a car, like autonomous car depot over on Brandon street in Soma. Um, that has like a, like a hundred of them in there and it's, it seems cool. And, uh, Google slash Waymo is now allowing interested San Franciscans to um, express their interest in being a um, an early test subject or or, or or like early rider. I don't know what what you'd call it um, of these robo taxis, and I think that's cool because because one I would feel more confident with it because uh, Waymo vehicles are using lidar and not all Teslas computer vision nonsense that's not actually going to lead them to self-driving um and yeah i mean and, and it seems pretty neat um and then on that note bloomberg and you'll put a link in the show notes uh had a really good profile of waymo um on their um they've undergone some leadership changes they talked about what's still kind of coming up the works with kind of like the last mile of fix uh, solving the self-driving problem which as we've increasingly talked about may not necessarily be solvable in the near term, but it was, it was a good profile and a good read and kind of all this is, is super neat as a contrast to Tesla's constant over-promising. Um, actually over-promising makes it sound like it's, it's not malicious lying about full self-driving where Waymo is way closer to actually delivering that. Um, but also is more, um, intellectually honest about the challenges ahead yeah so we'll put a handful of links in the notes i i vaguely recall this but this was all kind of a good refresher so waymo the san francisco thing it'll be fully autonomous cars but they're still going to be a human up front what do they mm-hmm. call them an, an autonomous specialist who is going to be there to kind of monitor and presumably take over if if needed um but in arizona Waymo's actually Waymo actually is doing like fully autonomous rides where there's nobody up front and there's a um there's a YouTube video that we'll we'll put in the notes and I'll send your way as well where people have kind of taken some clips of their experience with it and it's 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 interesting. Yeah, and th- and that's the one thing that was kind of interesting when Waymo came out here is that in like cuz Cruise has been doing their on the road testing in San Francisco for I think of like two and a half years now. And the San Francisco is, is one of the harder like mm-hmm. uh terrain and like street and city layouts that you can do. Where Waymo is it in Scottsdale or where is it? I, it's yeah, I think 
it's, it's Scottsdale or Phoenix? It's some uh, Arizona suburb where if that one, I don't know, it seems like Arizona is probably a more lax regulatory environment. And that's, that's, that's not saying that that's not said with any type of judgy tone or anything, but also um, a suburban environment with very, very wide streets and stuff like that. I right. feel like that's much, right. much, 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 much easier to, um, to engineer for and to be entirely um, without a driver is is more plausible um yeah yeah uh, and it just it, it's sort of like i feel like the efforts of companies like cruise and waymo are are probably like the starkest thing you could point to to illustrate how far tesla seems to be behind and just sort of like how misguided they seem to be because mm-hmm. these companies like Waymo and Cruise, who basically think nothing about nothing other than you know autonomous driving, and have far more sophisticated technology to be able to try and do it, you know they're not there yet either, really. And so, like how like how would Tesla be like how would how would Tesla not be significantly behind these other companies? Like when you look at it that way. So I think that's maybe like the the best thing you could point to to show just sort of like how far off they are. And again, I mean, I caveat this with every time we bash on Tesla. Like, I I love my Model Three. Like, it's it's awesome. It's, well, but when when the, when you, you know. yourself are driving it, it's it's, yeah, it's, it's a great exactly. automobile. If you uh, work back from the premise that it is a thing that you as a human will drive. Well, yeah, that or you think of it as something that has a you know very nice lane keeping and adaptive cruise control system when you're on the freeway. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. Um, and we have a couple of quickies and then we'll wrap this up and we'll have a short week. Um, uh, headspace, are, are, do you use uh, headspace or calm still? A headspace. Yeah. And you have an overall favorable opinion of it. Very much so. Yeah, my my annual subscription just renewed, actually. So apparently they have uh, merged with a company called Ginger, which is a mental health provider. Is it one of is it one of those? I keep oh man on every every whether it's the daily or um, a bunch of NPR podcasts. I keep getting for and actually five thirty eight as well. Keep getting ads for I don't know if it's either Talkspace or BetterHelp. Yeah, I get that a lot on the daily. Yeah. Uh I don't know if that's what Ginger is, but um yeah, apparently they are merging to create an, a combined company called Headspace Health. And I don't I'm not sure I have a whole lot to say here, but but I this is one of the things that's always has made me um ner- not nervous is the wrong word cuz uh calm actually is a sponsor of Upgrade now. Well, actually oh, you listen but you have um Upgrade Plus. Mm-hmm. Well, there there are a whole bunch of ads on Upgrade these days of Calm for Business, advertising of how uh, meditation is the thing that is going to help you unleash your productivity as as a, as a business leader, which it's I'll, I always feels super gross whenever I hear the ad. I don't know. The only reason I bring this up is that this is one of those things where I've always felt kind of uneasy, and I'm sure we've talked about it in the past of these types of things. Not not that meditation and wellness can't be monetized but it 
or that they should be like nonprofits or something, but it feels just a tiny bit icky that, I don't know, that wellness and health are like the next thing to be disrupted versus like just basic human needs. I don't, I don't, I don't have a big moral position here, but that, that's always one of the things that's made me a little bit. No. Well, I mean, no, I, you're, I, I'm with you. And I mean, basically everything you just said sort of applies to the healthcare system here in the U.S. at large. I mean, it's, it's yeah. what we were talking about with the marketing, you know, life-saving medication on TV. It's, 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 it's a strange dynamic that we have here. Yeah. I kind of feel like uh, uh, mental health is somehow more sensitive. You know, I, I, I agree. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm with you there too. Yeah. Anyway, I still, uh, during the pandemic, uh, because like the, during the pandemic, every travel credit card had to figure out how do we get people to not cancel. So I don't know why, like Amex started just throwing like random ass rewards on all their cards. So I still, I think my free year of Calm Pro Max or whatever is, <laughs> is because I've never actually tried Headspace because I'm, because my brain is broken enough to the point where I don't think any type of meditation will work for me because Anybody trying to tell me I should um, uh, acknowledge but ignore my thoughts or whatever the crux of meditation is, um, good luck. It's it's literally impossible. Uh, but it sounds like you're much more enlightened. So um, sure, are you able to do it? Uh, yeah, I I mean more or less. Yeah, like I I have just settled on using the the little um, I one of my watch faces on my Apple Watch is the the breathe one. And I just, I I feel like that's as helpful as meditation will ever possibly be, which is that maybe for four minutes, I will forget to think about something. You, you, you seem like the person who should try, um, walking meditation. I think there's like a whole, there's a whole series. I've never done it personally, but I think there's like a whole series of that in Headspace and I'm sure all the meditation apps have it, but it's. I think it's what it sounds like. It's you're meditating while you're while you're walking. Oh, but then how do you not walk in a traffic? And I'm not even saying that as a hey, joke. I mean, no, like, I mean, but meditation. You don't have to close your eyes. I mean, that's a form of meditation, but that's you don't necessarily have to do that. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't know. It seems like as someone who regularly goes on ten mile hikes, not to not to uh, be creepy, but that's fine. Listen, uh, listeners can join. It's fine. <laughs> Um, I think you might want to give that a try. All right, give it a try. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah. Well, wellness as as business is always uh iffy. Mm-hmm. Um, this was a very dumb article. Uh, that uh, how the Wall Street Journal wrote about the fact that movies are being released to streaming either same day or quickly is leading to an increase in piracy which i i don't buy at all like i mean no that's it's a bad take. It's, it's, it's a stupid take because one there have always been like back in the old days again I, like i'm somebody who unfortunately i'm like i mean i i i i pay for my media but also i'm i'm fairly acquainted with stuff that falls off trucks that there there's long been what's called a cam scene where people watch like sneak like a uh, like a video camera into a movie theater, and that's available very very quickly. People will leak Oscar screeners and stuff like that. Like piracy will always exist, and one of the biggest advantages that um, stuff like Spotify and Apple Music 
and Netflix and all these, and then all the video and, and movie streaming services is that if you make legal access to content easier or as close to the same thing as piracy, that people will choose the legal option. And if somebody wants to pirate something, they're probably going to do it anyway. So using this idea that, hey, the fact that we're not giving 60 to 90 day theater exclusive windows and that people are able to watch The Black Widow, is that a movie? Um, on Disney Plus immediately, that that somehow is causing people to pirate more. Like I, this this whole article and this, this premise is, is, is super dumb. Yeah, the the whole the whole idea that there's this this huge swath of people out there that if we still had kind of the normal exclusive theatrical release model that we used to have, who would go watch a you know pay to go see a movie in theaters and then not pirate the movie, who now decide they're just going to pirate the movie because it's available in a higher quality format because it was on streaming like that. That's silly. Yeah. I mean, you know, maybe it, maybe it accelerates some piracy for people who would have, you know, pirated the movie anyway, but just would have had to wait a little bit longer for a higher quality version to come out if they care about that sort of thing. You know, now they can just do that more quickly. But the idea that that would have otherwise been a paying, you know, movie theater going customer is, I, yeah, I don't buy that. Yeah. Pirate's going to pirate, as you would say. I wouldn't say that. I pay for everything. <laughs> um, man, I'm really, I really want to cancel my TiVo. Do it. Yeah. All right. And lastly, um, it, it is, it, it actually, maybe one last note here. Mm -hmm. Um, it is kind of cool that these Disney, um, premiere access, I think movies, um, <laughs> genie view. <laughs> You're right. That's what she named the vaccine. No. Um, <laughs> there, there we go. We got it. Uh -huh. Um, just like you, three months after they come out, they're just they're just on Disney Plus, mm -hmm. which is kind of pretty cool. Yeah, like that uh, that Cruella movie. Um, was that? that the? Go ahead. I said the lady friend and I have been kind of casually wanting to see that. It didn't not quite bad enough to to pay the the thirty dollars for premiere access, but got the notification or saw the post on instagram it's like hey this friday it's just it's on disney plus I'm like oh cool i don't mean this in a judgy way but was that also because i feel like disney's had like a, a string of or maybe it's it's most of the warner movies where most of the movies that ended up going on hbo max were ended up not being good it was I, is cruella one of those ones that's kind of like cats where it it's it's fun because it's bad or or was it actually a good movie it, no, it's it's it. I my opinion of or my memory was that it was a good movie, and I'm I'm looking at Rotten Tomatoes here, and it's a it's a seventy four, which is which is pretty solid, and like a ninety seven audience score. So that's hmm. yeah, so that's good. Okay, I must be mixing it up with something else. Be pro probably the well, it's basically um, every Warner movie has been like other than there's a, except there's a movie... for the the Suicide Squad's been highly highly um, reviewed, but everything else, including um, it pains me to say this as a Lakers fan, but uh, Space Jam is currently a twenty six percent on Rotten Tomatoes. 
which uh, yeah. is not not great. I have not watched it and will never watch it, but I've I've read and listened to a number of reviews, and apparently it's really, 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 really bad. One of the main characters is called Algae Rhythm, because the premise of the movie, no spoilers, is that uh, LeBron James and some Looney Tunes get sucked into somebody's computer game, and they have a thing called Dawn Ball, where uh anyway it's it's apparently it's a very bad movie and this is a cautionary tale of why people shouldn't listen to a movie uh uh, movie theaters or movie uh studios should not listen to people based off of nostalgia to make movies same reason why warner got sucked into making uh what is it called the snyder cut and they made a four-hour version of a movie they already made Mm -hmm. Is is that accurate yeah that is that's accurate all right, and then lastly, uh, Walmart is introducing a service called Go Local, which is kind of like because one of the one of the one of the big advantages um, uh, or success stories of the uh, of e commerce recently has been that Amazon Logistics has kind of just turned the world on its head, where they have created basically the the fourth like the fourth player in like U.S. like ship to home. And then nobody else can compete with that just because most people, for the most part, like really, really like the delivery service that they get from Amazon. But Walmart is creating their own last mile delivery service, which they are going to use for their own Walmart.com and Walmart like um, store to home deliveries. But they're also going to offer it as a white label service to other businesses and restaurants to give them same day and super quick delivery services, which I think is smart and interesting and the fact that they're not branding it as walmart like go local is is it bland enough where people aren't going to associate it with walmart specifically i don't know i think that's cool and and interesting because otherwise if if nobody else does this you're just going to have like this weird limbo where you either have like your standard ups ground three to five business days you have amazon and then you have like postmates for people who live in cities and like nothing else so I, I'm I'm happy somebody is trying this because somebody had to. So yeah, cool. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how this does. Yeah. All right, chef specials. Let's do it. I'll send you the obligatory Amazon link. link here. Um, I'm I probably back when I originally purchased this thing in 2016 probably also made it a chef special or whatever we were calling it at that time if we were even doing those back then who can remember um nobody will know um but i you know now that i've actually been going on some weekend trips recently um and bringing bringing my travel bag with me again um i've been reminded just sort of what a key part of my um travel kit as you would say Mm -hmm. this is which is the um, Amazon Basics retractable lightning to USB C or you know not USB C USB cable. Um, I assume there probably are USB C versions now, but anyway, um, this this cable is great because um, well, I think I originally bought it for my car, which would I guess would have been like my Ford Edge at the time, where you know I wanted to plug my phone into its USB port, but didn't you know didn't want to like have a big long cable sticking out somewhere and with this retractable cable you can you know basically pull it to like the exact length that you need 
And that's really good for traveling too, because when it's fully retracted, it's nice and small. So it fits in your bag and then it can be, you know, kind of flexible, um, where, you know, if you've got your iPhone, just like, you know, right next to your little travel USB hub thing, then you can basically just leave it retracted. Or if you need it to kind of pull out a little bit, you can, you can, you know, um, pull it, pull it like fully extended. So it's, it's a handy, handy little cable to have when traveling. Neat. Um, this week, uh, I, I feel like this might've been a previous chef special, but, um, uh, I feel like there's not a lot of good apps on iOS for monitoring air quality. Everybody these days will like July to November in Cal in Northern California. will just have purpleair.com open. But on iOS, there's not there's not a whole lot of good ones. So one that I will suggest that I found pretty good that got promoted from like the very back of a home screen up to top billing <laughs> recently is an app, and I don't have a link for you. Um, it's called Air Visual, and it's just it's a good, reasonably high quality iOS app that will find the um, outdoor air quality weather station closest to you, um, and you can define a few around you to see the places that you go frequently. It will also try to predict based off of um, weather, um, like wind patterns of how the air quality might clear up or get worse over time. But overall, like it's a good single purpose application for this, this type of thing. Cause I, I don't, I'm not a carrot weather person and I'm not, I'm not like hello weather itself is it will show you, air quality of your specific location but it doesn't make it easy to see air quality like in six places around the bay of depending like where you might go i'm not sure how critical that is to most people but i do like knowing like hey i intend to go on a hike or i'm headed to the east bay or something kind of how are things so yeah air visual is free and it's great and with the no no subscription or anything no because their deal is that they sell like a weather monitor or um mm -hmm. like a a, a a meter so that's right. this is their their gateway drug or whatever got it yeah that's 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 purple airs thing too yeah and i'm tempted it's 280 dollars, but yeah yeah purple airs is i think maybe a little bit less than that but it's also a little bit more than just like an impulse buy well but we've, we've I've, already talked I've, about I've, you need to go get like an actual legit weather station you need to pull a full-on jason snell yeah, it's 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 gonna ha it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. Yeah, and actually, to to round this out real quick, I um, I keep checking the wire cutter. Like, I can't. Their pick for like best indoor air quality monitor, it's too damn expensive. But I kind of want. Is that like the is it Nemo? No, you're thinking of Ned Atmo, and that's one of the weather station makers. Mm. Yeah, but apparently the Kytera laser egg. <laughs> <laughs> also oh. a good name for the vaccine um <laughs> yeah laser egg by pfizer um is it only it only it, it only took an hour and 15 minutes so you can you can edit you can edit this so that that sound like we invented that three well, it's, minutes it was in. actually called the katera laser egg plus chemical which the, well, also that, good name for the vaccine well, I, I'm, I'm sure anti-vaxxers will love the name chemical in there because they sure yeah um yeah, it's it's two hundred dollars, and I assume it's super crappy. Like, I mean, there's no way it has like a good interface. Like, all I want 
because I have like a little box in my apartment that'll just tell me like, Hey, what's, what the, what's the temperature and humidity? Like, I just want a thing that costs a hundred dollars that will tell me temperature, air quality, and like the standard AQI range and like humidity and maybe connects to Alexa. And I would be very, very happy. And apparently that doesn't exist. I thought the, is it, how did you pronounce it? Natantamo? <laughs> I have no idea if I'm pronouncing it right, but I always thought it was Netatmo. Netatmo? I, I thought this was supposed to be pretty good. Well, I think Netatmo is all all outdoor stuff. I want to know how things are in my apartment. No, no, the 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 pack that the wire cutter recommends, it's like a it's like a two pack thing. One goes inside and one goes outside. And then you can kinda you can kinda build on top of it, I think, with like a like a wind sensor, a rain sensor, it plugs into like HomeKit and the Amazon thing. It seems pretty neat. Yeah, but it just and I, it's not terribly expensive either. Hmm. And I think it does air quality, right? It yeah, does. it does. This is, and it oh. does humidity too. Yeah, I think I think this thing's this thing's pretty neat. Like if I if I got one of these things, this would this would probably be what I would get. Okay, well, give me give it a try and let me know. Okay. Yeah. Eh, $180. Why is everything so expensive these days? Inflation, man. 